0: What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the career of actress Julianne Moore and the movies Thor, Love and Thunder, and Barbarian. First, let's talk about Julianne Moore. In the 90s, it felt like Moore worked with every great filmmaker. Todd Haynes with 1995's Safe, Steven Spielberg with The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and Paul Thomas Anderson with Boogie Nights, both in 1997. The Coen Brothers with 1998's The Big Lebowski, and again with Paul Thomas Anderson in 1998's Magnolia. Of those collaborations with those great filmmakers, the ones that get talked about the most are her work with Paul Thomas Anderson. For many, she is their absolute favorite part of the movie Boogie Nights. For the film, she received her first Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress. I also loved her scenes in Magnolia. I hope in the Paul Thomas There are two Julianne Moore performances that have a lot in common with one another, and they are Far From Heaven and The Hour, both released in 2002. In both movies, she is playing a woman in the 1950s who is challenging societal standards. She was nominated for an Oscar for her work in both films, Best Leading Actress for Far From Heaven and Best Support. The Hours in particular is a super flawed film. I really liked her part of the movie with John C. Riley. I thought she was really... Moore is best known for starring in indie films and Oscar contenders, but she's also been in a surprising number of big movies that include 1993's The Fugitive in a small role, 1997's The Lost World Jurassic Park. I liked her in this movie also. She had really good chemistry with Jeff Goldblum, 2001's Hannibal, where she took over the role of Starling from Jodie Foster, The Hunger Games Mockingjay Parts 1 and 2 in 2014 and 2015, and Kingsman the Golden Circle I think her best work in a blockbuster is in the Lost World Jurassic Park. I think that is one of the better Jurassic One of the things I really like about Julianne Moore's career is her willingness to play supporting roles in really good movies. Children of Men with Clive Owen, directed by Alfonso Cuarón; A Single Man with Colin Firth, directed by Tom Ford. A little bit of Moore goes a long way in a movie. She's not the star of these two films, but she's doing some of her best work. I also have to say these are two of the best-looking films. I wish more movies looked as good as Children of Men. I love the fact that Moore wanted to be in those movies, no matter how big. Before Moore had won an Oscar, she was nominated four times. Her eventual win was for twenty fourteen Still Alice, where she played Alice, a woman with early onset Alzheimer's. I don't think it's her career best work, but I'm not mad she got rewarded for that performance. I liked the movie a lot and enjoyed her scenes My favorite Julianne Moore performance comes in the movie The Kids Are Alright where she plays a woman who cheats on her wife with her kid's biological father played by Mark Ruffalo. When people talk about this movie they praise the work of Annette Bening and Ruffalo and rightfully so because they are both brilliant. But the person who makes this movie work is Moore. She should have gotten another Oscar nominee. Everything about this movie works for me. Every performance, Josh Hutchinson is really good in it. Mia Wasikowska is. It has my favorite Mark Ruffalo. The scenes between Moore and Ruffalo are electric. It's just two actors who are both on fire and on the top. Moore's most underrated performance in my eyes is for her work in The Big Lebowski. She's a ton of fun in this movie. She's great with Jeff Bridges and is playing one of the best female characters in a Cohen. The other Julianne Moore movie I want to talk about is Crazy Stupid Love, because that is a movie I have seen probably 10 times in my life, and each time I watch that movie, I appreciate it more. I love Steve Carell in that film, Julianne Moore is great in that movie, you also have Ryan Gosling, Marissa Tomei, Emma Stone, the cast of that film is Moore is one of those actresses who does her best work when she's part of a big ensemble. I mean, look at the movies Boogie Nights. She has Mark Wahlberg. She has the late, gray Burt Reynolds, Don She Chee- Magnolia. She shares the screen with Tom Cruise and the late, Gray Phillips. Don't get me wrong, Julianne Moore has star power in her own right, but I just feel like she takes it to another level when she's with other great. Upcoming projects for Moore include the movie Sharper with Sebastian Stan and May-December with Natalie Portman, which we'll see Moore once again reunite with director Todd Haynes. I, for one, am fired up to see Julianne Moore share the screen with Natalie Portman. That's another thing I really like about Julianne Moore's career is the amount of other great actresses she's gone to work with. She's been in movies with Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, now she's adding Natalie. Poor man to the list. It's great to see actors work with other girls. Moore has been so consistent for so long, and there's no signs of slowing down like she's never been in a really bad movie. I mean, yes, Dear Evan Hansen is a super flawed film that some feel is really bad, but Julianne Moore is fun. She's also got another movie that's coming out soon that I'm super excited to finally see. It's called When You Finish Saving the World, and it is directed by Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg has long been one of my favorite actors, so for him to make that transition to writer-director, I'm super excited to see that movie. I've heard really good things about it, and I know Julianne Moore is going to come big with a great... What's great about Julianne Moore's career is you look at the number of films she's been in, and there's no clear consensus to what her best performance is. I think a lot of people would say it's Boogie Nights, but you could make a case for many, many other great performances she's given. Here's a list of noteworthy performances given by Julianne Moore. The Lost World, Jurassic Park, Boogie Nights, The Big Lebowski, Magnolia, Far From Heaven, The Hours, Children of Men, A Single Man, man, the kids are all right, crazy, stupid, Maggie's plan, and now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Thor Love and Thunder. Here's a quick synopsis. Thor reunites with Jane Foster, who now wields his old weapon Munir, and the two go up against Gore the God Butcher. The film stars Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, Christian Bale, Tessa Thompson, Taika Waititi, and Standout performances. This film felt like redemption for both Natalie Portman and the character of Jane Foster. Most fans of Portman's career would say her talent has largely been wasted in the blockbuster movies she's been a part of, the Star Wars prequels and the two previous Thor movies she was in. They gave her a real emotional arc in this one, and she was a major part of the fight scenes. This film gave the Oscar winner a role I and many others have said one of the biggest problem Marvel has is a lack of compelling bad guys. This movie doesn't have that problem. Christian Bale from the moment he's on screen is unreal as Gore the God Butcher. Marvel might not have a list of iconic bad guys the way DC does, but one way to solve that issue is to hire A-list actors like Bale to play the big bad. I had never heard of Gore the God Butcher but that didn't matter because of Bale, who is one of the few actors who can pull off being the hero and the villain with this movie in Batman. Bale and Portman got to betray real emotions, which is becoming rarer and rarer. in Bale's next films include Amsterdam, his third film with director David O. Russell, and The Pale Blue Eye, his third with Scott Cooper. And Portman is starring in the miniseries Lady in the Lake with co star. I want to talk about Chris Hemsworth as Thor. I like him in the role, but I think enough is enough. He peaked in Avengers Infinity War. That was his best performance as the character. I want Hemsworth to move on from this role. It's weird having three of the original Avengers around, Hemsworth, Renner, and Ruffalo, while three of them, Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., and Scarlett Johansson are gone. I hope we are near the end of Hemsworth playing Thor. I'm really excited to see Hemsworth and Fury. With Anya Taylor Joy. To see him in a George Miller Mad Max movie is going. that's one of the really weird things of where we're at with the Marvel movies. We're kind of in this weird in-between of the past and the future. Like there is some new and exciting things happening on the Marvel TV shows, but then you still have Chris Hemsworth playing Thor. I don't know who's important in this next chapter of Marvel movies. Are the Guardians in the Galaxy and Thor still the biggest attractions you have? Or are these other new exciting characters going to become more important to where the franchise is headed? I think that's why a lot of people are confused about the. For the longest time, you knew who the face of the Marvel movies were. You knew Iron Man was their most important character. Yes, they had Captain America, but you knew it was all going to lead back to Iron Man. Who is their face right now? Is it Tom Holland's Spider Man? Is it Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange? Is it Chris Hemsworth, Thor? Nobody. Since directing Thor Ragnarok in 2017, writer-director Taika Waititi has become an Oscar winner for the screenplay to Jojo Rabbit and has acted in some big movies, The Suicide Squad, Free Guy, and Buzz Lightyear, and in the Thor films, he voices the sidekick character Korg, who is only on screen to be funny. One major complaint about Thor Love and Thunder is how much Korg is in this movie, and in general, that's a fair critique of Waititi. He does to know when enough is enough. I'm a big fan. He's one of the few directors who has brought his own original style to superhero movies. It's like when you watch the early Batman movies and they feel like Tim Burton movies. The last two Thor movies feel like YTT's vision for both good and bad. He's one of the only Marvel directors who has brought originality to these block. Though Love and Thunder is a big step up from Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, I really enjoyed how Love and Thunder mixed humor with the dramatic elements of the story. It's not a perfect movie, but it's way better than most recent Marvel movies. There's only one part of the movie that fell flat to me, and it's the part with Russell Crowe. I'm a big fan of his, but his part is not as funny as the movie thinks it is. That that performance is in the same movie with Christian Bale as Gordon I'm also not sure if I'm the only one who feels this way, but there is a part of me that really wishes that this was a Jane Foster solo movie, that there was less lore in it, and it was more of a team-up between Foster and Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. I would have really enjoyed that movie. I think Natalie Portman deserves to carry Overall, Thor Love and Thunder is a lot of fun. Is it great? No, but it doesn't deserve the majority of the backlash it's received. It having a lower Rotten Tomato score than Thor The Dark World is ludicrous. This is a way better film. It's actually good and entertaining, which is what a comic book movie needs. My feeling is there's been so many of these Marvel movies that we're judging it against the other ones, and I don't think that's fair. They don't all have to build off one another. They don't all have to be better than the last one. This movie is fine for what it is. It's a good time. It's entertaining. I really like the performances. Christian Bale is really, And for the most part, the movie actually looked good. My biggest critique of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is that movie looks putrid. This movie and the plot was easy to follow. Like, I think these movies need to be easier to follow. Yes, you can have some convoluted plots, but by the end of the movie, we should all understand what's going on. I still can't really explain Doctor Strange and the Multiverse. I was impressed with Thor Love and Thunder being this good. It is the fourth movie of Chris Hemsworth playing Thor. At some point, it's going to get old. And the fact that it hasn't is actually... The movie missed Anthony Hopkins and Tom Hiddleston, but it was able to survive without those core franchise characters. I really like Thor Love and Thunder. It feels like I'm in the minority on that one, and I don't really understand. Let's switch gears one final time and talk about the movie Barbarian. Here's a quick synopsis. A young woman named Tess rents an Airbnb for a job interview, but when she arrives, she finds a stranger who claims he is also renting it. The film stars Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, and... Standout performances. This movie features a trio of really good performances. First is Georgina Campbell, who carries the film as the lead. I had never seen her act before, with what she brought to the role, I could really see her being a st- What I found to be the smartest aspect of this movie is how they used her male co-stars. The first is Bill Skarsgård, who has become synonymous with horror films after appearing in the It movies. When you see him in a horror movie, you expect something, and the movie knows that. The same can be said for Justin Long. I grew up watching Long in comedies like Dodgeball and Accepted, and have come to expect him playing a certain type of character. But he's playing something totally different in this movie. long delivers one of the best performances of his career if it doesn't work the movie the brilliance of this film is you the audience will watch it and go I know exactly where this is headed and then the movie goes in a completely opposite direction the way they use Skarsgård and long It's also great to see Long in a prominent movie that's doing very well. Like, people forget that these people were big for a moment in time. Justin Long was big in the mid-2000s. He was in every big comedy. The movie Dodgeball is massive. I see him all the time. So it still feels like his career is still super big, even though it hasn't been for a while. And then he shows up in a movie like Barbarian, and you're blown away by him. I love those type of moments. And clearly everyone else does. You're seeing guys like Brendan Fraser who's having a moment. It's cool when someone who was really big goes away and then bounces back in a big way. And this is a big bounce back for Justin Long. And I hope this gets him cast in some bigger and bigger movies. As for Bill Skarsgård, he has a role in the fourth John Wick movie with Keanu Reeves. I don't want to discuss any of the plot details of Barbarian. All I will say is the movie touches a hot button social issue in a way that really resonates with me especially during the film's final scenes which I won't spoil some have been critical of the logic of the main character Trish and I would agree some of her decision making is questionable at best this is a horror film you have to take a leap with the logic to get to the desired destination and this film gets there and nails the landing of the movie as a whole it is a super super effective, chilling movie. It also feels like a wholly original horror flick, which is getting rarer and rarer to see because all of these horror movies kind of feel the same. This movie feels very different than any other horror film that's out there right now. I would also like to say in general, it has been a fantastic year for horror movies. You have Scott Derrickson's The Black Phone, Ty West with X, and now you have Barbarian from Zack Greger. All these movies have have really good plots, and they have fantastic performances. I mean, horror is really just elevating itself to another level. Like, every time you feel like horror has reached its pinnacle, something like this comes out, and you're like, wow, horror can go even further than it's ever gone before. Overall, with Barbarian writer-director Zach Greger once again proves that horror is one of the best genres of film to touch on social issues. Barbarian is one of the best horror films of the year. I didn't love it like a lot of people but I liked it a lot and respected what it was going for. Personally I put it behind The Black Phone and X as my favorite horror movie of the year. I think it's the third best horror movie of 2022 which is in really good company. This movie also opened as the number one movie at the box office. Another horror movie is a hit and I've come to the conclusion that I think horror movies work well at the theaters because you go through an experience and then you recommend it to so many people people because you need them to see what you just saw. Barbarian is one of those movies that once you see it, you need other people to see it and have that experience with you. That's why horror movies are thriving at the box office right now and are going to continue to thrive. They feel like an event and events get you to go to the movies. When you watch Barbarian it feels like an event. It's the type of movie that it's cool to see in a movie theater. It's not that type of movie you want to watch at home. Like if this was a Netflix movie, I don't think it would be as successful. Horrors were made to be seen with a group of people and thankfully people are seeing movies like Barbarian in heavy doses. I love the fact that it's a movie that introduces you to a future star in Georgina Campbell and then reunites you with a former star in Justin Long. I really hope big things come to Justin Long after this film. Like I said earlier in the podcast, Justin Long became big after starring in comedies like Dodgeball those movies are no longer thriving at the box office now he's making the shift and starring in a horror film and he really pulls it off Barbarian is far and away his best film in over a decade Barbarian features Justin Long like you've never seen him before thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight I'm Cameron McKinney and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and I highly recommend you go back and watch the work of actress Julianne Moore and check out the movies Thor, Love, and Thunder and Barbarian. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking about the teen comedy film Do Revenge and the mystery film Vengeance, written and directed by B.J. Novak. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe.